Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw and SmackDown, but also NXT, AEW Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a buddy of quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review Monday Night Raw and Michael Sidgwick a week off you must have missed this well 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 well. I uh, didn't I wasn't a particularly good content creator because I didn't do my homework right ahead of this week's Raw because funnily enough I didn't actually watch WWE Monday Night Raw when I was on holiday I I watched Dynamite of course I didn't watch uh, Monday Night Raw Um, I saw the odd thing pop up on Twitter when I needed a five minute doom scroll and I saw the doll. Don't worry, we'll get to the doll. Um, I can't wait to bury the goddamn doll. Um, And it's not just the doll that needs to be buried. It's the law of the doll, the the lily law. So I was thinking, oh Christ, I wonder if I'm going to get lost. (laughs) I wonder if I'm going to get lost um, diving back into Raw. I missed a week and sure as hell, what happens is Drew McIntyre feeds me the information like the idiot that I am by running down the exact events of last week, which were across the show recapped in video form in case you idiot, you didn't remember what happened. So realistically you can, uh, you can watch it on a fortnightly basis. <laughs> I might start doing the, the, the levels of exposition, even on this show, even by normal standards, it's just like, oh, I think I think there was a bit near the beginning of the show where T-Bar and Mace attacked Drew McIntyre, but they really sort of glossed over it and didn't recap it every <laughs> minutes for the first two hours of this show. So I'm not sure. If I missed that out, I do apologise. Um, what did you think of this god-awful episode of Raw? Uh, yeah, miserable. Miserable episode again. Um, misery, 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 the whole flipping way. And the I, I couldn't help but think about what Cedric missed last week when I was watching this week, because in one case, they literally ran something back for his benefit. We know that WWE listen, and obviously they listened last week and thought, oh, like, Michael Cedric's not here. He's going to want to see this. Let's do it again. 
So there was not even any, like, there was not even the pretense of progression in one of the matches on this show that was a complete rollback of something that happened last week. It might as well have just been one of them old from the vault segments that you used to get <laughs> on the edit of WWE when they had like 15 minutes of advert type of film. I, I, I say I couldn't believe it. I could. I can't like, I can't fake. I can't believe they did this. I always believe they do this every week. I can't like feign shock at the like bad negligent wrestling show being bad and negligent. Anyone else get the feeling that Adnan Burke or he regrets his decision <laughs> Monday night? He sounded so... Hello, darkness, my old friend. From the start of this show, it, it was wonderful. Well, not wonderful. Honestly, if I hadn't have been on, um, and I'm not embellishing this whatsoever. I am not. I promise. If I hadn't have read the news that Phillips had been replaced, and I was just watching this show, you know, struggling to open my eyes, having been asleep, and just rolls not exactly this sort of cup of coffee in the morning, is it? I honestly don't think I would have noticed. <laughs> he just got that slick, really generalized American accent favored by Kevin Dunn. Um, the exact same in-house style. Like he's a great fit. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not a not a compliment. Um, I would never have noticed. How do you reckon this was the week then? Because obviously it's like first week, they go, Oh, welcome, Adam. Oh, are you, are you having a good time? You're doing your research, haven't you? Blah blah blah. This week he says the Viking Express. I guarantee Vince is in his ear going, What the hell's that? There was the noticeable silence in WWE. Silence is so notable. It's like the Viking Express, and then there's a 10 second audio <laughs> gap on commentary, you, and you just know it's the only entertaining part of the show for me was the, the subtext of Vince Bollock in this lap. It was like no. a nice question pull because I thought like Corey Graves tried to be like, that's right, yeah, the Viking experience. And that was that. You can imagine them like looking at each other and being like that little nod. Oh, yeah, you got away with that one. Thanks so much. And then like Adnan Burke said it again, like the Viking Express. Like you could just express, experience, experience, express, like going in his ear back and forth already real. Like, like, and then like you, you remember all those compliments that people pay Michael Cole empty because we as fans don't care. But it was like, Fans give Michael Cole stick, but let me tell you, that guy's a traffic cop. It's like, well, I don't want a traffic cop. He shouldn't have to be a traffic cop. I want him to call the action. Yes. I don't have to praise him for that. Um, I will say, amongst all the badness, there were a few things on this show that I really enjoyed. Not in the not for the reasons WWE wanted, but we'll get into one of them very, very quickly. Uh, and to be honest, I am excited because for all you poo-poo WWE, Michael Sidgwick, Tonight, we were promised a first-time-ever match, so I can't wait for Braun Strowman versus Randy Orton. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll see with that when, when that arrives. Uh, so the show opened, as uh, Sidge alluded to, through McIntyre, explaining everything that happened last week, if you weren't sure. And, Sidge, he ticked your box of uh, ooh, ooh, Braun Strowman won title match thing, which he did with, what was it, Randy Orton and Triple H all those years ago. It was a lovely callback, that. Hello, long-term storytelling. I remember when I was there... Uh... Just better. Seth Rollins, 2019, described Brock Lesnar. It's a real Godzilla-looking bastard, if you ask me. Like <laughs> Seth Rollins trying to be the Rock, like getting the bin, you awful cringe tosser. Like you're as far from the Rock as I am. <laughs> so I remember like burying this on Slack with their uh, Hamlet and Murray, and Hamlet was the one who went. Oh, yeah, the, it stretches further back from Seth Rollins, like that, and then he linked me to the Randy Orton promo where Randy Orton was talking about how Triple H had tasked him with wrestling Kane ahead of their Unforgiven 2004 match. And Randy Orton, even down, he did the eyebrow as well. Mm -hmm. 
um, and, rrr, rrr. Oh, me king, me strong. Rrr, rrr, rrr. And it's like he's trying to do like Vince McMahon thinks this stuff's funny, and now Randy Orton did it in two thousand and four. Drew uh, Seth Rollins did it in twenty nineteen. Drew McIntyre's doing it in twenty twenty one. And some guy who you quite enjoy watching in, I don't know, GCW is going to be doing it in 10 years' time. Then, now, forever, together. <laughs> uh, and he also got the old, uh, what's wrong? Triggered, are you? <laughs> you were triggered nowadays. <laughs> what? Anyway, uh, he talked about the opportunity that T-Bar and Mace took last week, trying to make a name at his expense. He said, I know MVP's the mastermind of all this. <laughs> Are they going to start taking off their, what, stupid masks and wearing suits, start wearing suits or something? <laughs> um, and he, guess what? He, uh, he planned on Where's getting... Where's the kill and got a sword? <laughs> well, he planned on uh, tonight getting himself some... Anyway, MVP interrupted... <laughs> Uh, he said, uh, oh, no, I didn't. I didn't recruit T-Bar and Mace. Uh, in fact, if anything, Bobby Lashley was uh, trying to downsize the Hurt business. And uh, he'd already beaten McIntyre on his own. And then McIntyre said, yeah, but do you remember when he got all the goobers from the locker room to try and beat me up before WrestleMania? So he went down to try and confront slash attack MVP. And he got his act by T-Bar and Mace. They uh, again hit him with a double choke slam in the ring and then walked past MVP. And then... Then came one of the best promos in WWE this year. They walk back through. Kevin Patrick's there going, what bloody hell are you doing? And I, I had to rewind this. They said, they said, he said, like, oh, what bloody hell's going on? And, uh, well, I'll tell you what they did. They didn't explain their actions. They listed animals. They went, cats, dogs, and then two boy poppers. Porcupines, <laughs> hedgehogs, <laughs> saber-toothed tigers. And then uh, Dominic Dickhead went, hey, saber-toothed tigers, they're extinct, aren't they? They, they, don't, they don't exist anymore. They're, ex they're extinct. What are they, like the, the dodo bird? The bird doesn't exist. Oh, sorry, I'm crossing over into, uh, no, it doesn't matter. Uh, anyway, he says, and that's what we're going to do to Drew McIntyre. It's uh, They're painting a wonderful picture in Michael Sidgwick. What the hell was this? I think they were trying to present these two morons. Oh, no, sorry. Dio Madden's all right. They were trying to present these two retribution people as, like, skeevy energy guys who talk in their own kind of coded language in a bid to, like, intimidate people, I think. Like, you know who does this? You know who does this in his dialogue? Right. I never, ever thought I'd draw the comparison. David Lynch. <laughs> Have you ever been intimidated by a hedgehog? No, I'm not, no, 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 no. No. Right, I didn't say it was a good version of that. No, but yeah. Like, there's, it's a writing technique to, like, have these unseemly skeevy characters talking some coded language. And I think that's what they were trying to do here. I think they were actually trying to do some techers. <laughs> didn't work. No, <laughs> no, really. no, it really didn't. Sounded like bad Power Rangers when they were trying to morph the Zords. <laughs> like they're kind of porcupine, hedgehog, saber tooth tiger. <laughs> oh, what an absolute state. I can't work out why the next pay-per-view is WrestleMania Backlash because wasn't WrestleMania about six months ago? <laughs> feel like WrestleMania Backlash on night two? It doesn't feel like two weeks. I love so, night one. It was like, 
Well, it doesn't feel like two weeks since this company had a shred of momentum created, <laughs> does it? I know that like Nick Khan's doing these podcasts now that people are telling you are really interesting. I'll listen to them. That's a lie. They're not. He's just George Barrios and Michelle Wilson by another name. He's just doing PowerPoint presentations and getting two good years of money out of Vince McMahon, hanging his hat on a peacock deal or whatever. It's the same nonsense. Like, look, this is just, this is the content of a content production company. This is not a pro wrestling show anymore. The content of the pro wrestling company um, that was trying to tell a story was the MVP. These guys have nothing to do with me. Um, This is, you know, Bobby Lashley was looking to downsize the Hurt Business. But how can we believe MVP in light of the last 48 hours? Things I know about MVP. MVP owns 12 Man United shirts, four of them have MVP on the back. He's been to Old Trafford six times. He's even done the tour. He owns a signed Eric Cantona shirt. If you don't think he's not setting up the super hurt business in the background, <laughs> nah, I'm not having that. Um, it, like, fine. That that really is okay that MVP has gone and sought out extra help. Um, only it's not, because it's usually logical because he had extra help two weeks ago. You know, like this is when you try and like spot the wrestling story, you can't without like picking it apart because three weeks earlier they, they had a group. Like, why did he want to downsize the hurt business and now he's getting help? He's obviously getting help. They're not they're not acting of their own accord. It's I'm going to skip a, ahead. Half, half angle. I'm going to skip ahead to the main event because uh, I don't care because mm. who cares? But here's the thing: they are, if in fact they are putting T-Bar and what was it, Mace. Mm-hmm. And they're going to unmask them as they did and like repackage them and put them in the hurt business. Like, I like the idea because that main event was so comical in there and retribution grunting. It was so grunting heavy yeah. when they're doing the power moves. And it's like, do the grunts come with the masks? Because they're probably going to stop doing that when they're like in suits and they're in the hurt business. And the idea is they're being unmasked now so they can't do those acts anymore. Because I just find it funny that the grunts are going to have been like maybe sound effects produced by the masks. Honestly, if those grunts go and the masks do, I'll be pissing myself. Well, yeah, me on the preview yesterday, Cedric, me and Wilborn suggested now that he's been moved to um, SmackDown, there's going to be a, like a paper plate with a Scottish flag, like just left hung up in the background um, to reintroduce Slap Jock. Not done, stars. I just love the idea of, you know, like, you know, actors are just like, sorry, I just need to go into my own space just to just to remember that monologue I'm going to do later. Can you just give me, like, I've got to go in my little mind palace and, and lay it all out. <laughs> you just think, Dio Maddie's going, cats, dogs, cats, dogs, porcupines, cats, dogs, porcupines, hedgehogs, saber-toothed tiger. Got it, right, let's go. And Donovan Dickhead's going, all right, I just need to get in the head. Come on, just uh, get in the character, get in the rhythm. It's <laughs> 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 not a trigger-happy TV. <laughs> <laughs> Um, absolute stupid twat he is. Man, woman, cat, dog, saber tooth tiger, Donald Trump's like men. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway, McIntyre storms to the back uh, after all this, confronts Postman Pierce and demands a match. And Pierce says, you need a tag team partner. And for a split second, Hamlet, I thought, oh my God, Hamlet's called this. He's going to tag with bloody Seamus against him. <laughs> Oh, anyway, uh, it was time for the Viking Express. Oh, sorry, the Viking Raiders. Uh, they, it felt so harsh, this. This felt like punishment, wasn't it? It was just like, well, there we go. There goes the hurt business. Here's Cedric Alexander and Sean Benjamin with no entrance. 
it, it felt like punishment last week. It felt like it repeat this week. Identical yeah. punishment of the match. Exactly. Like instantly after you've seen like retribution help out MVP, you get this expressionless, characterless void of a squash mm-hmm. between two wrestlers. Like the Viking Raiders actually look like their gimmicks, which is that they're like men of an old world. They they dress like they're outside the ring personalities that is real life turn up to 11, which in their case is kind of like playing Vikings. They have that inbuilt. How was this? How is this boring? How is this work boring when they're dressed like that? The Berserker, John Nord, was not a great wrestler and he wasn't even that good a Bruiser Brody impersonator, but the Berserker was entertaining for five minutes on, on a television show. Well, how, stop the Undertaker once. How is this drab? Yeah, on, on, on the contrary, right? Yes, it wasn't really, there wasn't much to it, but ultimately it functioned as like a nice reintroduction to the Viking Raiders for those who might have forgotten about them. Oh, last Monday. Oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot. Yeah, I wasn't here. <laughs> I did it. I did it. Oh, well. But an absolutely artless, creatively bankrupt content company. Just did the same thing. Just did the same thing. My notes for this read... Benjamin Alexander got some offense in, and the uh, Viking Raiders won the Viking won with the Viking Express. <laughs> That's it. That's literally it. Let's move on. Uh, Randy Orton uh, is chatting to Kevin Patrick, saying that nobody could have done what he did to the Fiend at WrestleMania, and we'd never see the Fiend again. Yeah. Uh, he said, "Yeah, yeah, all right, okay." McIntyre won last week, but uh, I'll be waiting for the winner after after Backlash. Okay. That's how it works. Why bother wrestling in the first place? Uh, and then in the midst of all this, here comes Riddle. He's excited. It's 4.20 Eve. Uh, he said he always wanted to meet an apex predator. I wonder what an apex predator even was. He said, uh, well, I lost my title to WrestleMania. <laughs> meet the fiends. Uh, so maybe we should form a team called RK Bro. And Orton just walked off and then later on, well, immediately after that, walked up to Postman Pierce and said, I've no idea who that twat with the scooter is. Take <laughs> the crap out of him, please. And I went, well, hang on, Randy. Don't you want to save yourself for the, the Braun Strowman match that's coming a little bit later on? But uh, we'll wait and see. What do you reckon to the uh, RK Bro tag team? Feels like um, a slight turning point in Vince McMahon's fascination with scooter riding riddle because twice this week they did this thing so like a couple of weeks back whenever that was when he forgot the lines with asuka um the whole deal was apparently vince just thought it was funny didn't he like oh like really this charismatic young dude where's my car guy is that what <laughs> that film bruce is that film like he's you know it's okay for him to forget his lines because he's baked like twice this week they had a, a riddle segment where he talks all that shit and then the characters after the fact as he scoots away were like I hate him. Like both Randy Orton and the New Day are kind of like, why is he still here? Why is he keep, like, I'm hoping that's a tell that Vince McMahon or the, the spitting image puppet dressed as him in Gorilla has at long last tired of this as well. Be- what a horrible prick he is. Like just not a single likable thing about this riddle character. Yeah, I always think this about whenever Randy Orton's working heel. If ever when Randy Orton's working heel, you find yourself siding with Randy Orton. Like you've, created a monster of a baby face to oppose him. The thing about this segment, and yes, I echo all of those, of course, um, is that when I was watching it, I give them, I give, I give, think of this sentence, sit back and receive it. I give WWE entirely too much credit, right? <laughs> Generally, because I was watching this and I'm thinking, what? 
oh, it's drone. You know, there must be some kind of either precaution or positive test. You know, old Rona. Oh, exactly right. my thought. I'll let them off. Then he should start the show later on. <laughs> just, can you imagine? Can you, like, and I'm not even going to just talk about AEW here. I'm going to talk yeah, about but... Impact or any sort of weekly television show that promotes a match and then doesn't deliver it for whatever reason, especially in these times, especially pandemic here is different. We can, we're all patient with this sort of stuff, but even if it's not a pandemic related reason, just, just bins it and then doesn't even give you a reason why. That's the real cheek of this. Like things can change, plans can change, cards are subject to change. Do some work. Did he change his mind? There was no, like, thing. Clearly, they're both on the show. They're both healthy. They're both cleared. It's like it does what he wants. Dot com, little bit of trivia. Oh, this has never happened before. It's cute when we stumble on these matches because everybody wrestles each other 20 times a week. I love how it's such a cell phone. First time ever. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I literally can't, actually. I'm going to have to go check cage match. I, like, here's the thing. Dynamite is one and a half years old, right? I would guess, right, and I know it's different, but not really because of the way that the roster changes in WWE so much, or bloats with call-ups. I would guess that on every single last Dynamite, there's been one first-time ever AEW match. Mm. Like, at least one. Mm. WWE has first time ever. Not not a goddamn thing to brag about. (laughs) I just, they're held to account enough, the other... The good shows are held to account. The if something like this occurred, where a match is promoted then binned without an explanation or like anything like that, or even without the the reveal that yeah somebody's been exposed to COVID or tested positive or whatever, it would just be hauled over the coals because people hold these shows to standards. It's it's nothing. Nobody cares when this happens on Raw. Nobody gives a toss when this happens on or SmackDown for that matter. Actually, barely NXT. Like I think, I think some people would, and I have to say, I don't think it. I genuinely don't think it would happen on NXT. This particular crime of just, I d- sorry, did you think that we were having Randy Orton Britain? No? I didn't mention that. Where's that? Go to WWE.com. I can't see it yeah, because you told somebody to delete it when your mad billionaire boss went mental in the afternoon and got his pencil with the rubber on out. Like it's just not in the uh, afternoon. So he turned up late to Raw. He missed the pre-show meeting and then went, "Yeah, we're not doing that." So like they've they've laid it all out. They've got any any changes. We've had a week. Don't forget to prepare, prepare this. We've even had the weekend. You know, after SmackDown, in case anything. Have months. They have months to prepare for this. What's the point of having a, t- a writing team if Vince is just going to come in and go, no, nah, put the stoner with Orton and uh, put the train bloke with the with the Scotsman. The right, Scotsman. Oh my God, it's a tag team. All oh, right. Anyway. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Uh, we move on next. Redundant team made more redundant. Mm. We we move on next. Uh, well, we had a recap of uh, Charlotte Flair's promo last week, and I watched that and thought, oh, I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but I could do with another Charlotte Flair promo with her annoying voice. Oh, and here she is. Here <laughs> she is, lads. Oh, my God. Um, like, she's an effective heel, because I literally... No television off when she's talking on it and we got a call back ladies and gentlemen to the best version of charlotte flair the i don't need you anymore but this time i ask her we'll get to that anyway uh, <laughs> i didn't plan on hurting anyone's feelings last week i'm just telling the truth guys hey don't shoot the messenger all women hate each other is basically what she said I, I could just 
picture Joe Lord again. Thank you. Watching this back at home. Um, but uh, they pretend to like each other, you know. Uh, yeah, not Alexa Bliss is on, so I don't think he would have reacted. <laughs> None of them had any reason to complain because unlike her, they didn't have a scheduled WrestleMania match taken away from them. Uh, she said she could beat both Rhea Ripley and Asuka. She didn't mean to disrespect Asuka. Asuka's one of the best, but she doesn't have to like her. She'd show Asuka why she's the queen. Asuka interrupts, but before she can say anything, Ripley interrupts. Uh, Charlotte says, hey, why don't you sit at ringside for my match with Asuka later? And uh, Ripley goes, yeah, I will, but uh, Asuka will probably beat you. How about that? you like them apples? <laughs> <laughs> Asuka kept trying to talk, but eh, enough of all that. It's time for Charlotte to talk some more. And she said, I am the one who broke the streak. And Asuka said, I'll beat you, bitch. Which popped me a bit, to be fair. What do you think of this, uh, Sige? The placement of bitch was crucial because. Say again. This is the thing you've missed the most, really. You were there with the, with Francis and the kids. Going, oh god, this is nice and all that, but I can really do with a five minute Charlotte Flair promo right about now. I mean, it's not effective heel work because you can be good. You don't have to be absolutely insufferable. Like you don't have to be. And she had. Everyone's like, oh god, I'm so glad she's back and being a heel. Are you just it's just insufferable? Like the dialogue is absolutely insufferable, and the cadence is Stephanie McMahon levels of insufferable, like hideous, absolutely hideous. Um, yes, they're awful characteristics, but they're not entertaining to listen to. So, that object defeat and horrendous cadence cannot stand it. Um, I hate the material, I hate the material so much that well, I would have stopped watching years ago had I not. Been employed to review, <laughs> but if I was watching this, I think, oh Christ, shut up, man, shut up, switch the channel over. So the the it all builds to the bitch, and the bitch was positioned well because everyone wanted her to shut her down at that precise moment. But I would have just switched it off if I wasn't reviewing this. Honestly, I would have switched it off within a minute. I just I just felt like felt like the teacher having to lecture the unruly child in school when I was watching this, because I was just like so despondent and angry. I, I felt like I saw that promo last week and, you know, I've been sticking up for you in that staff room. <laughs> I watch this and I get no help when I'm trying to like fight the, the good fight for Charlotte. It's not Charlotte Flair. Of course it's not. It's, it's descriptive material. You know, it's, we almost have to distinguish the two all in time between, you know, the talent and the, the words they're given. Oh, she was brilliant last week. Oh, she was excellent. Like I just, I've just believed it. That was all it was. Like, yes, she's a, more effective heel than a baby face, but the material still matters as well. So she was performing as the role she's more natural in and the material was believable. Really, really pissed off to be left off the WrestleMania card because I believe it's my birthright and I believe I've got the ability. Like super straightforward, but you kind of have to give them a ruffle of the hair or a pat on the back for a super straightforward promo well done. And then a really quality attack on Ray Ripley and Asuka, which sort of makes the point that she could have had them on another day had she been given that day all for a perfectly functional setup to the match. Huge, ginormous step back this week. Anything that permits the, and you say you hate it, Will Bond, but I know you love that Charlotte impression, but anything that permits that impression is bad because it's that version of the Charlotte Flair promo that we just don't need. In terms of content and delivery, like she, when given that material, she seems to morph into the person she thinks she needs to be to give that material. So it makes her performance worse as well. It makes a bit of a laughing stock of Asker and Rhea Ripley. I'm not, I'm not taking this match seriously. Um, 
the booking of women brackets general across most of the WWE product has been criminal for months now. And it's worse in the tag division as we're going to get to. Yeah. But because it's so bad in the tag division, it almost obscures how bad it is here. I said this on last week's review. WWE, because they've done such an awful job of building mid-carders or potential challengers, basically need to rely on somebody being gone to find a title challenger that isn't one of this main sort of crop of five. They got away with Carmella because she'd been off television and people were glad to see her back. And Sasha Banks is amazing, so the matches were really good. Carmella's good too, not done, but like, you know what I mean? There's nobody really being booked underneath these current crop of main eventers. So when you run out of your Asuka and your Ray Ripley and your Charlotte and on the other side, your Bailey's and your Sasha and your Bianca Belair's, there's nobody, there's absolutely nobody. And now you're putting an axe through your headline matches, your main matches. So the whole division looks dreadful as a result as well. Like this probably didn't feel like as big a disaster as other stuff on the show, but these are like the last few characters that anybody cares about. When you ruin these, there's nobody left. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Moving on, uh, when I woke up this morning, I accidentally uh, bumped my head, which was uh, unfortunate, but thankfully they recapped T Bar and Mace tacking McIntyre for the 10 <laughs> So I remembered that then. Uh, and then we got uh, Riddle versus Randy Orton, which I don't know, was the best match on the show. It's the low, low bar. But uh, I really enjoyed these two working together, uh, especially the bit where Riddle just kept trying to lock on a sleeper and hark back to his sort of MMA background. Orton just constantly trying to escape uh, and then eventually escaping by giving Orton a... Uh, slam on the apron and then a back suplex onto the announce table. Orton kind of takes control. He starts stomping on his everything sticking out, mainly his feet, of course, in the end uh, to get Riddle back on offense. He dodges a charge. Orton posts himself. Uh, Pele kick, running forearm, sent on. Then they fight on the ropes and Orton hits a superplex. Uh, Then Riddle's got a choke on, but they're in the ropes. Orton hits a draving TDT. Goes for an RKO. Great counter by Riddle into a crucifix pin. One, two, three, and they they put this over huge. Yeah, a backhanded compliment, Sige, but I thought this was the best match on the show. Uh, yeah, it's, it's so hard not to... Uh, well, it's very easy, in fact, and I quite enjoy it. Um, to damn Randy Orton with fame praise. This was a Randy Orton-paced Matt Riddle match. Mm. And again, usual caveat, who cares? Can't emotionally invest, but he just happens to be a tremendous worker, does Riddle. And there was glimpses of that here. I was kind of like bored with it because I'm so bored. I've been watching Randy Orton for uh, 20 years. <laughs> 19 years. 19 so years. I just, 
It has to be really top tier Orton Fair, which there's precious little for me to really care about. But yeah, well worked. Well, well, well worked. But yeah, the thing about Riddle is that usually I find the experience of watching a Riddle match on Raw like catching your tooth on a peppercorn in a bowl of gruel, where it's like, oh, that was a bit exciting or a bit sour because, you know, it's Riddle. But stomach, it's stomach. And then get quite enough of that here because it was paced like Randy Orton. Randy Orton stamping on the feet looked awesome. It looked like, oh my God, that really hurts. But yeah, it was just a bit boring for much of this. Usual caveat, it was well worked. He looks like he's hurting people. He's mechanically very tight. Everybody's so obsessed with like labeling eras, periods of time in WWE, aren't they? Like as if that they one day might work for the network and have to come up with a documentary title. I think you just nailed the peppercorn gruel era. Like it's it's better than the Thunderdome era because really it's a hell of an achievement to have that feeling in this crowdless environment, more so than WWE's typical one. I like that a lot, peppercorn gruel. Um, yeah, the match was pretty good. Uh, it, Riddle sort of forces that reaction out of you sometimes, which is frustrating. Um, don't be fooled by the crucifix pin being clever. It's the new roll-up. Uh, we'll get more on that later on. But they've tried to get away from the roll-up criticism by having people use crucifixes. There was a crucifix finish on SmackDown. Uh, was it Ray? I think it was Ray Mysterio. Yes. Um, quite, wasn't wasn't called a stealing one because Pat McAfee's just too excited by the sight of 619 to say that. But... Um, yeah, there was a big win for Ray. Kind of like got the better, like outsmarted his opponent tonight. Got one with Riddle here and got one more on this show. Chris fixes a new roll-up. Great. All the cell. Yeah. Still celebrated the babyface triumph by screwing away like a rat up a drain pipe. Yeah. The fear of him getting beat up. Like it was like, oh God, I just got away with that one. Better retreat hurriedly like a rat in case... The person I've just beaten comes back to beat me up. It's the scarper. Oh God, I'm away from him. The guy I've just beat in a fight. It's ridiculous. And by the way, for anybody listening that might like sort of read or listen to other reviews, um, the people that are bad at the job, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular. I can just feel like I've already visualized this take. Um, we'll say that this is great because Riddle's lost the titles, but he's got his momentum back. Thing is, on the very same show, Randy Orton said, where's the effect of, well, I'll just wait and I'll get my title shot when it's my time. So Randy Orton is immune to the results and effects of wins and losses, which transfers onto Matt Riddle, who just doesn't get the benefit of regaining any momentum against Randy Orton. So anybody that tells you otherwise is bad at this job. You're not, you listen to this podcast with people who are good at the job, and I'll tell you that. That's me and Sidgwick and Wilborn. Um, so Look yeah. at that Keith Lee when he beat Randy Orton. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> don't, don't, don't just accept that this is... If you're, a, if you're still a Riddle guy... I mean, have a look in the mirror, but if you're still a riddle guy, like, just say, like, oh, that's it. I, I, yeah, he lost at WrestleMania, and he's kind of being booked to be loathed by everybody in the locker room, but he's got his momentum back. No, he hasn't. Like, don't, like bad take. Uh, speaking of riddle at WrestleMania, the guy who beat him for the United States Championship was backstage with Postman Pierce, showing off his title. I think he looks great around Seamus's waist. I have to say this. I think Seamus is one of the best things about Monday Night Raw. Um, Seamus he, asked why he'd been taken into to Pierce's office. And he said, oh, do you remember all the great United States champions of the past, particularly John Cena? Uh, they all did. Do, remember the open challenge? Why, why don't you do that? And uh, Seamus went, yeah, all right, but not for the title, obviously. And that led to, to a little bit something later on. Um, oh, my God. 
You sure? Next up, we got. I'm just going to pause and I hope, I hope for the best. Naomi and Lana versus Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler. Anyone want to skip? You bastards. Uh, right, we got a tag match. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, usual sort of fare here. Uh, Naomi and Lana, quick tags to try and, you know, take out Nia Jax. Nia Jax outpowers them. Double suplex. Brings in Shayna Baszler, former NXT champion. Dread it. Run from it. Shayna Baszler's eating the pin. Uh, she's uh, stomping on Lana's arm. When Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke come out, uh, presumably confused as to why they didn't get uh, another another match this week, uh, considering last week <laughs> just wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. Um, I've already asked Sidge. He has seen it. And I, I dread, dread to give him the floor in a second. Anyway, they come out and they show not, not one, one clip from last week, not two clips from last week, three sodding clips. They show yeah. that. They show the slip and them reacting to the ship slip. They show them attacking Nia Jax. And then they show Nia Jax falling flat on her in ass on last week's Monday Night Raw. Jax is furious. She walks up to them. Oh, you'll guess, never guess what, a distraction. Shayna Baszler gets hit by Naomi and Lana with a double face buster. One, two, three. Shayna Baszler eats another pin. Oh, good. Um, this was absolutely atrocious, Michael Sidgwick. Like, yeah, the, all of this happening mid-match was like, come on, what's actually happening as it goes on? Totally contrived. Um, in terms of the work, my God. My God, they did that sequence. Christ, Naomi and Lana suck, man. <laughs> so bad. It's so bad. Like, Naomi, right, Naomi has impressed in certain singles matches, and clearly if she was in a system capable of training people correctly, like, she would be, I think, good. Um, she's rubbish in this tag team and this tag team is rubbish they kept doing the sequence where they kept doing quick tags in and out these generals <laughs> generals like doing good tag stuff um, me my turn and then they're doing some kind of rubbish kick where she was lying on the ground and then sort of like hoying her leg over to the other side and in the general vicinity of Shayna Baszler's face without any snow connection whatsoever my turn tag Pathetic, loose, weak work, punctuated by pathetic exposition, stupid sports entertainment that's so contrived. This match has happened at least 18 times over the past five months. I cannot stand any of this. And if you watch WWE earnestly and like it, then you're you're a moron. <laughs> I mean, hallway. Defend this, somebody. Defend I just, it. I just love the idea of them going, right, who can we pair Lana up with? I know. Get with the girl who says, uh, I'm amazing as part of her entrance. That'll <laughs> really be funny. A couple of things that really struck me about this one. Um, recently, and like obviously we'll have all called for it for years, but recently, um, very humbly on Twitter, Sean Waltman has been saying how he would love another match because he thinks he can go. He's very, very humble about it. There's almost like a nervousness behind the tweets, but he says he's waited for years to feel like genuinely he can say he can go, whether that be recovery from injuries, you know, personal, like other things that he's battled through. And I just think that's so sweet because this is the guy that was like the measuring stick. And I, I love that a guy like that can think, oh, like given the chance, I will do my best, that sort of thing. And then you've got the state of these X-Factors being like 
like dished out to Shayna Baszler on Raw. You're like, mate, I'll put the title on you. Like, <laughs> honestly, you could come out in the worst of your 2000 bandana and beard Xbox years and I'd put the belt on you, all the belts. Um, oh, if I can still go, I'd love one more match. Three hours, you can have it. Um, that was one thing. Oh, there is something brilliant and brain dead about this company doing this angle and going to such lengths. Like, they've destroyed two matches because that finish last week was criminal. This week, the whole thing was like a total disaster. Like, they're just stopping mid-match to stare at a screen for half an hour. Of a slip, like this all started with Mandy Rose slipping, and it's this big angle that they have edited from WrestleMania yeah. because they deem it an embarrassment. What the frig? Like, left hand doesn't know what the right hand is what it's doing. Vince McMahon turns up late forgets to rub certain bits of the storyline out like just but like can we have a weather delay angle because they deleted that as well so they can reference it so we can remember that it happened it's yeah like i echo cedric's point on this specifically don't put stock in it because they don't you know like they it's i i, I welcome people wanting to enjoy the wrestling show they're watching and have their favorite wrestlers and hope that their favorite wrestlers i'm as guilty of this as anybody I want my favourite wrestlers to be doing things I like. So ideally, I'm going to find that in, in this show. Um, don't assume good things of the show overall. They <laughs> absolutely don't. <sighs> they had a, a clip of Bad Bunny and Damian Priest chatting backstage at WrestleMania. Uh, Bad Bunny talked about how happy he was, put over Damian Priest. Uh, they talked about, uh, Priest talked about how hard he'd works, and, 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 you know, and Bunny was talking about working with the trainers and the other performers and how nice everyone was to it. And, and Priest said he deserved the moment and he said it was incredible to work with everyone, said Bad Bunny. Thank the Latin community. Thank Damien Priest. And they they announced he's going to sold out tour. Nice little moment, I suppose. Uh, this fed into Miz TV. No John Morrison, which means it sucked. God damn, I love John Morrison. Um, it was Maurice who was out there with him mm-hmm. instead. Uh, Miz took credit for making Bad Bunny a household name. Um, they were unbearable uh in terms of just gushing over each other kissing canoodling fireworks went off at one point uh and they had some champagne to celebrate uh their, the success of Miz and Mrs until Damien Priest comes out uh and said in case you missed it I know you're thinking that wave of momentum Damien Priest what happened with that uh, he got beaten uh, the next night on Monday Night Raw <laughs> of course he is. uh Damien Priest came out and said uh you're as delusional as Jake Paul thinking he was a real fighter after Jake Paul knocked out Ben Askren at the weekend, in case you're unaware of that. Topical! Um, he said, uh, yeah, you're boasting about beating me last week. But you didn't say how you beat me. They showed a replay of what happened with Miz's feet on the ropes and Maurice holding them, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, what kind of man would brag about that? Uh, he said, you lost your pants and the whole world saw you've got no cojones. And uh, Marie said, said, All right, if you want a rematch, then you can have one. And Miz was like, Oh, oh, okay. Uh, And then Priest took a sip of the champagne and said, Well, this is trash. And then Marie shook a drink in his face and they walked off. Don Juan. It's Damien Priest. (laughs) (laughs) The Somalia Damien Priest. He's going out with Reginald. Anything to say about this, uh, Hamlet? I'd, yeah, I'm a bit of a sucker for Miz and Maurice because unlike Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch on screen, they've got chemistry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, I like them together. Almost always have. 
Um, can't wait for the Miz to feud with Morrison because that's had Marie saying, John, again, in a Nikki Bella mistake. Oh, yeah. I like this act. I do. Um, I always give the Miz too many free passes, I know, but I like the Miz and Maurice as an act on screen. I thought the stuff worked well enough. Again, we're kind of, I'm, I'm praising the functional rather than praising anything that was overly good. Um, I think, I said this on the preview yesterday, because they'll probably use the Miz to help get Damien Priest to that, like, that next level, and they'll probably work in a split between Miz and Morrison at the same time. This is not bad. They've got goals here, and I think they'll probably achieve both their goals with this. And like Maurice is a big help to the Miz's overall presentation as usual. And a big help to the WWE Papone Twitter channel as well. Just uh, <laughs> They were loving that last night. Hi, right, Jim Ross. <laughs> I've got no thoughts on this, so let's move on. I kind of need a piss. <laughs> uh, well, we've got the piss break match next. Uh, we had New Day uh, getting interrupted by Riddle and chatting about pancakes and then going, do you know what the hell he was talking about? That? I have no idea what this bloke's doing. And then we got Elias versus Cope. Yep. Thank goodness. You know, last week uh, when Elias was playing his guitar and they played a trombone sound effect, this time, Xavier Woods played an electric guitar. It was a bass. <laughs> and uh, Woods played Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme, I think, during this match at one point. Sounded like Chris Benoit's for a while. And I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> The majority of this match was taken up uh, with Elias attempting to receive an SOS, I believe. That was about three minutes of the match, if I remember it correctly. Yeah, I, want, I want somebody to like put over that like over the Paul Rudd clip from I Love You Man where he's slapping a big, big smile on his face. Don't do that. No one do that. Right. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> Elias uh, blocked a Hurricane Rana from Kingston and hit a flying elbow drop for the one, two, three. But enough of all that. It's now time for this. It's short, it's crap, it's wrestling related. The five star review review. Nailed it! And this week's five star review review is brought to you by Brett Waters. If you want your name associated with a five star review review, if you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling related, we can re- review instead of a god awful segment on Monday Night Raw. Subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes. Leave us a five star review, just like Brett, who writes, Well, it finally happened. I was hanging out with my girlfriend and we rolled over my phone. We were then greeted by the calming tones that start every What Culture Wrestling podcast. That's got to set the mood, hasn't it? Hello! <laughs> uh, in honour of my mistake, please review anything having to do with Sports Entertainment Extreme in TNA. Michael Hamplet, Sex! TNA! Tell me all about it. It's great, this man. It's absolutely great. Um, early TNA is just a hoot. It just things change from week to week. They were selling a weekly pay per view, oh. so whatever was happening on that show, they were already selling what was happening next week. So nothing could sit still. Um, everyone was just doing everything to try and get over. Uh, Vince Russo at the time, and there's this great story. Cedric, I remember this dropping on WWE.com. It was a shocking day. They announced the news that Vince Russo had returned as a consultant. And we just thought, Christ, they're panicking. Like the golden era is over, the attitude era is dead, and they've re-signed Vince Russo. And then like three days later, WWE uh, have uh, parted company with Vince Russo. We wish him all the best in his future endeavors. And then, <laughs> sure enough, he shows up on TNA, right? And then years later, there was this like 
I don't know if this is ever properly confirmed, but I just choose to believe it. This rumour that went around, the Vince Russo had his first day back in the meeting, oh, back in old haunts, Vince McMahon's got him on board, thinks he's got, the, thinks he's got the control of the room. And bear in mind, this is one year after the invasion angle. Pitches, an invasion angle, lists about 10 WCW guys that are still on those massive Turner deals, and guys like Brett that Vince just doesn't want anything to do with. All these names, one after another, we need Hogan, bro, Hall, Nash, Goldberg, a lot of them. We're going to come in, we're going to do an invasion. And like, we just did it. Every hated it. We're not doing it again. And he's out the door. And then he turns up in TNA. And the first thing he does is Sports Entertainment Extreme, an invasion. But, and this is the great thing, he was on a no-compete from his WCW contract. And that little trip to WWE got him out of it so he could go to TNA and do his big stable idea. But they can't use the title WCW or they can't use New World Order. What three-letter word? might get a stable over as cool and edgy and badass. I can't think of one. Come. Come. <laughs> it's come. <laughs> Was as good as come. Vince Russo, Vince Russo splashed his come all over a TNA ring. And like, thank you, Brett. Great name, by the way. The best name. Best there is, was, and ever will be in terms of names. Um, for giving us, because we don't get enough of this in the five-star review, any opportunity to talk about the Stone Cold Jeff Jarrett era. I'm banging. I love this Jeff Jarrett run. Love it. Well, I don't understand, uh, Michael Hamflet. Sports Entertainment Extreme spells S-E-E. That's C. <laughs> well, you see, bro. It was 2002. It was the only year after people stopped using X instead of E. <laughs> like that. And Z instead of S. Like yeah. just... Wrestling with me. by that point. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're on. I love this when I found it. I just basically Googled uh, sex TNA and popped up with the one that we're about to review. It's from pay per view number 26. <laughs> I can't believe they did weekly pay per views. I still can never get over this. For context, if you have invested in TNA every single week as a paying customer, you have spent $260 at this point for this. <laughs> Christ. Um, so we open up uh, in the ring. Or I tried to get everyone. Was PG Jane, was that Road Dog in there? Yeah. Jesus. Uh, he's in there. Loki, Christopher Daniels, the Harris twins. Uh, Elix Skipper, is that his? Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, Russo's, who, understandably, I mean, he's on the stick, obviously. Skipper Daniels and Loki were called Triple X, because that's not confusing, is it? Sex without 60Xs at the end. Uh, why can't Russo say aunt? The first thing he says is, see, aren't we having fun now? See, aren't we having fun now? Fun now. Come. <laughs> Uh, I've no idea. Who are they beating up? Do you know, Hamlet? Their yeah. names are never mentioned. They were built, uh, they were the Maximos and Amazing Red. Amazing Red in particular. Oh. Who's a favourite of this generation for being like just this inspirational wrestler, come coach. Pioneer. Yeah, total pioneer. And the three of them were like, um, like the X Division was always decent from the start. It was kind of like the bones of WWE's like late era cruiserweight division. Like proper futuristic high flying stuff, of course, which AJ Styles was at the front of. Um, there were three more of those guys. Um, but Russo, 
millionaires club, new blood stuff. He loves the idea of the big stable that are going to tear the company apart, but he can never figure out who the baby faces and heels are. <laughs> he doesn't put any thought into the motivations or the reasons why. I love, I love Amazing Red because he's obviously phenomenally talented. But the, the first thing I always think of when I think of Amazing Red, it, and it's the most TNA thing ever, is he's fighting Samoa Joe for the, I presume it's the exhibition title, actually, if I remember rightly. And in the midst of all that, Lashley comes down and he's like, I want to fight you, Joe. And uh, and the referee's like, we can't, you can't fight. Obviously, we're in, kind of in the middle of something, kind of in the middle of a title match. And Joe goes, let him in. Let him in. And I think it's Hebner, and he just goes, all right, and you come. And he goes in, beats him up, amazing man, it's a moonsault or something, and then he just gets the win and gets the title. And you're like, what? So the wrestler just goes, no, nah, let him in, in the middle of a, t- in a title match. It's just allowed, apparently. <clears throat> anyway, so... Um, Maybe that's why The Fiend always says it, because he just assumed it was that easy to get access. Yeah. Oh, mate, have you, have you boys seen the new uh, Fiend shorts that are for sale? <laughs> yeah. Tell you what, whoever's birthday's next in the Watt Culture office is getting a good present. Uh, right, so they're beating up these goobers, they're setting up the tables, and uh, and, uh, and Russo's directing traffic, saying, put them on, all three of them are grass, get Raggedy Andy over here. <laughs> Road Dog, I, like, I looked at Road Dog here, Road Dog loved that line because it was about 30 years old. He was like, <laughs> I get that reference, and like most other people in the ring. Uh, commentators, uh, Don West, Mike Tanay, uh, they're furious. He's got more heart and soul than you ever will, Russo. He says, you guys know what to do. Uh, and they they climb the turnbuckles, uh, Loki, Daniel, Skipper. But down comes Kurt Hennig to make the save. Except he doesn't make the save. They all just beat the crap out of him. He's doing he's- the sign, the can't. <laughs> like, he's got like two seconds of it. Yeah. Doesn't he- register, nothing does. He is he is Russo shouting dog it? I don't I'm, he's like dog it, dog it. I don't, don't know what he's yelling anyway. Uh, and Hennick starts fighting back by hitting people with a belt, not a title belt, literally his belt. He just starts swinging that around left, right, and just clobbering people. Uh, numbers game catches up to him, and, and Russo's there, like dog it, you want to be a hero? Uh, and then Kenning's already getting beaten down. He's already getting beaten down. When who should slide into the ring? But David Flair with an axe. He's got a sodding axe with him. So he he hits Hennig uh, in the throat or the face or something with it. And Russo leans over and says, "Surprise, surprise!" <laughs> and I think I think it's Don West just goes, "What?" Like that, <laughs> like that. Uh, so Flair puts a figure four on Hennig uh, whilst Russo tells them to, to set up a table. And uh, Russo says, break that leg. You want to play, Hennig? We'll play. Uh, but who should run down to make the save, Michael Hamplet? But Double J himself, Jeff Jarrett. He comes down just so many unprotected headshots with the chair here. Um Loki is the only smart one. He dodges underneath. Sorry? I'll just have to laugh at Loki here. Absolutely great. I don't know if this is all like move for move, like headshot, 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 you do, or if it's just kind of like skies yeah. in the ring kind of calling it and getting themselves into position. I would like to think, and knowing everything I know about Loki and, and Jeff Jarrett in particular, <laughs> I'd like to think that Loki's like, uh, I'm not selling for that. I'm not doing that. 
<laughs> I'm low-key. And then Jeff Jarrett's like, well, I'm Jeff Jarrett, so you're going to get the goddamn stroke, pal. Boom! Like, right on the canvas. I just love that little moment of, like, just total friction energy just colliding. And then that is the result because it's always Jeff Jarrett. Also, David, David Bixon's fan told a story on Twitter that did yeah. Did you see this, Cedric? Yeah. I'm so pleased when he popped up in this review just so we could talk about it. He talks about this like really good running joke that apparently like wrestlers use at his expense. There's this 2001 indie show where Loki comes into Wrestle Super Dragon, and this is corroborated by a wrestler in Bixen Span's replies that says, I was in this locker room. 100% happened. Loki walks in, like there's a locker room full of like indie wrestlers. After he refuses to do the job to yeah, Super he's, Dragon. He's refused to lose to Super Dragon. So they go like 20 minutes to a, a board draw and he's dropped his bags in the middle of the locker room and says, Gentlemen, I am here to fight. <laughs> Gets like, I love that he must get like in every locker room he's in, including from Jeff Jarrett. And says, Well, I'm hitting my finish then, brother. Uh, Gentlemen, yeah. drops bags. I'm here to fight. <laughs> With that deep voice of his as well. Yeah. Like he, sounds like T-Bar, except he's not trying to be a cringe dickhead. He learned from his mistakes, though, and he thought, I'll tell you what would be a good idea. Say the words TNA on uh, on WWE television. What could, what could possibly go wrong there? Uh, anyway, I like the fact that in the mix of all this, and I only noticed it rewinding it. So he comes in, he's like, some of that, you bastard. Some of him has hit Loki with a stroke. <laughs> all I could hear was like Jim Ross, like screaming the rattlesnake fist and fire. Like the way, <laughs> the way Jeff Tarrant believes himself as a baby face. It's the way that Mike Tenet is like, thank God. It's <laughs> <laughs> literally, thank God, Jeff Jarrett's here. Meanwhile, Ivanka Hennig is still in the figure four. It's just like, he's like, cleans house, cleans house a second time. Like, make sure no one, Loki's on the outside and gets hit with the lightest chair shot ever. It's like, fuck. And then, meanwhile, Hennig's like, hello, mate. I think I'll get my leg broken. So he comes over and Flair puts his hands up to get the chair shot. And JJ, the door J goes, nah, boom, have some of that. Uh, and uh, I think it's I think it's Don West is like, yeah, you got it. You come to NWA TNA, you're going to face the consequences. Um, and then <laughs> Jarrett puts the figure four on Flair uh, whilst Sports Entertainment Extreme. Just watch that one of the Harris brothers is just walking around ringside up until Russo says, Get him. Uh, Hennig's got the chair, but it's completely useless. Numbers game catches up with him. In the midst of all this, AJ Styles comes in. Here's AJ Styles. He attacks Jarrett. David Flair immediately just pops up from the figure four. Just like, Oh, no, not so, no need to sell that anymore. So they start beating him up and they're saying, Oh, has AJ Styles joined Russo now? Well, he looks like it. Uh, and, and Russo's back on the mic saying, you want to bury an axe in my back, pal? <laughs> and Don West with the call of the night. Oh, Russo, uh, using the axe, hopefully, is just symbolism. Yeah, I hope so. He's going to kill someone on television. Uh, so they, they're in control again now. And uh, Russo says, let's go, boys. You know what to do. Daniels and Skipper, they come off the top row. That horse is absolutely dead. (laughs) (laughs) To put Jarrett through the table. Um, BG James is choking out uh, Hennig and the Harris brothers point to the ramp. 
where Russo is taking an axe to well, the bottom of the TNA sign. He's destroying the set. They're yelling, the end falls off the TNA, which I don't make me laugh so much. He's like, twats it on the back and the end falls off. Uh, and they say he's literally gone crazy on commentary. He pulls this face that looks like he's not taken a crap for about three weeks. He looks so constipated as the little show signature comes up at the bottom. And Mike Tanay says what we're all thinking. I've seen enough of this crap. <laughs> uh, and Russo signs off with, the following show has been presented by Sports Entertainment Extreme. Great four minutes that stage, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, fantastic. My God. My God, what an absolute imbecile of a man. <laughs> um, well. It's just the echoes of his old stuff were everywhere in WWE format. It's not as, I wish they had the energy. They kept the format and lost the energy. They keep the energy and change the format. Idiot. Four runnings, that, right? Four runnings. Incomprehensible rubbish. Two turns, I think, because I'm pretty sure David Flair was supposed to be a Vince Russo swivel the hips turn, but the camera just filmed him the entire time. Like, the producer was on him from the beginning. You were supposed to be like, oh, my God, David Flair. Oh, my God, he's turned. It was just, he's in the ring, stood there. It's been a minute. (laughs) So I think they blew that. The energy point about Russo so bob on, you know, because I will say this, um, the point of the axe through the logo was that the next week TNA were unveiling and the logo that you're probably more familiar with, the red letters over the X, make a point about the X division being the, the heart of TNA, that sort of thing, Just dressing up the set, all that kind of thing. That was why they did that. They were like, well, we're getting shot of this, so might as well take an axe to it for an angle. Remember how we just pitched Retribution doing that? With WWE last year with the Thunderdome, they didn't bother. Can't be asked. <laughs> show up to the Thunderdome for a couple of weeks. You're too expensive. Um, yeah, too expensive. Put that, put that chainsaw down, T-Bar. Well, you say, you know, bloody Russo. So let's go to the comments and see what they've got to say about all this. Just a bloke, right? It's just a bloke, right? And he writes, "Say what you want about him. I think Vince Russo is a good promo and antagonist." <sighs> yes, to a degree. I like his delivery. You pieces of shit. It's AJ Styles. It's AJ Styles. <laughs> like, Let's do that in a few weeks. If he was not in charge of himself, in a bygone era where they had authority figures, yes, he probably could have functioned as a pretty good one had he not written him his own stuff. Uh, Costanza... 1459 rates. I'll never forget after watching this with my dad live. After Russo destroyed the set, my dad looked at me and said, that Russo guy's a dick. Yep. Yeah, he is. Uh, Bobby Farmer writes, Vince Russo is the best heel authority figure in TNA wrestling history. Oh, and RIP Kurt Hennig. I love sports entertainment extreme stuff. Vinny Rue with the Italian accent is the axe man tearing up the NWA TNA set. WCW all over again. Great memories for Wednesday's weekly pay-per-view events. People probably somewhere or like on pirate clips of Herb Abrams, UWF. Those were the days. <laughs> These were the days. This is rancid. Oh, carry on. Well, Sage, I just want to just settle yourself down for this bit because Justin Harassin writes seven months ago. Next to UK. Writes. writes, (laughs) That's not just the best. That's not just the coolest. (laughs) 
just interfering. <laughs> just right. Just see what. Just I got everything I ever wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing a follow-up lyric to that. Carry <laughs> on. Justin writes, wow. It's like watching WCW in 2001, and it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> but WCW in 2001, like, it was halfway respectable to, at the end, but regardless. Right. It's like watching a dying promotion. That's <laughs> yeah. what it was. Oh, yeah, like, we talked about this yesterday, Hamford, me and you, when we decided this was what we were going to do. How like staunch they're like, no, you've you've history's remembering Vince Russo wrong. Dale Loddy, I love Vince Russo's promos. He's up there with Paul Heyman and CM Punk. He just says it as it is. <laughs> That's spitball. Um, and finally, uh, well, I'll read this comment from, from Nick Soapdish and then put the disclaimer on. Nick writes. I'd rather see Vince Russo in the WWE Hall of Fame than the Bella Twins, although I think if that happens, Jim Cornette would self-destruct. Pretty harmless, that, right? This comment from Dwayne Malone does not reflect the views of myself, the Daddy Boys, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. In fact, it shouldn't represent wrestling. This is the personification of why we can't have nice things. So Nick Soapstage says, I want to see Vince Russo in the Hall of Fame rather than the Bella Twins. Dwayne, Dwayne Malone... Not reflect the views of myself or oh, Dadley boys. What for dressing like that? Dwayne Malone writes, "Hey, <laughs> Dwayne writes, hey, <laughs> I'm just glad Nikki's big knockers are getting some type of recognition." <laughs> Oh, you need to be stopped. <laughs> you know it. That here. Hey, we don't take kindly to comments like that. <laughs> Defund the comments section. Defund Wilborn. <laughs> oh, once again, it's not right. I'm myself exactly what anyone what culture wrestling. Oh, dearie me. Thanks once again to uh, to Brett Waters for that. If you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling related. For us to review instead of a segment on Monday Night Raw. How much of Raw's left? So I'm still a fair bit to oh, Yeah, we'll, we'll cycle through it. Like, I need a piss here. Okay. okay. But thanks to Brett. What culture wrestling? Five-star review, all that sort of thing. Uh, let's get back to something that's probably going to be a five-star review in a few years' time. Alexa is in her playground. Me. <laughs> I don't know that. Oh, shut up. I will <laughs> unplug you today. Uh, she's telling us about a, new, a doll, Lily. Sid, just very quickly, your thoughts on Lily from last week? Pathetic. <laughs> um, she says, Lily's not new. She didn't just join me you know, following WrestleMania. She is, she is new. <laughs> she's been there this whole time and they just show loads of footage of Alexa Bliss as an actual child. With with Photoshop pictures of Lily in the background. This creep. Alexa Bliss is an actual child, and then they showed photos of Alexa Bliss's childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she told this story about uh, wanting ice cream or wanting to buy another girl's ice cream, and uh, this other girl won't give it her, so she pushed her up a swing and broke her arm <laughs> because Lily told her to do it. I hate all that, by the way. Like of all the 
food that you could share. Why would you want to share someone's ice cream? Mm. And then if she's pushed her over, she's well, a lot of WWE fans who want to share Alexa Bliss's ice cream. <laughs> Picking up an ice cream off the floor. Like I'm with the girl that used Alexa broke her arm. Anyway, she said. Uh, what about the Lily? law of the ice cream? You know. Can we talk about the law of Lily? Because what I love about this bollocks of law and mythology and long-term storytelling that these absolute idiots like to discuss and debate online. If Lily was there the entire time, where was she when she was just, when Alexa Bliss was a redneck in NXT or a babyface companion of Nikki Cross dressing up like Buzz Lightyear? Where was Lily then? They're making up us to go along and you are morons for believing otherwise. Uh, she said Lily didn't like him and she doesn't act like any of the little girls on the Raw roster. You're a little girl. And then Lily giggled and then went, Meh. I for one was petrified. Just turned up on it. Stalled. <laughs> it's been there the whole time, right? It's a waste of time. Move on. But I'm flat. I want to know what you think. Actually, rubbish. Like the whole Lily the Stink. It, it's awful. Like it's something else Randy Orton set on fire, hopefully. I, I don't want this to carry. Like I didn't want, I would have loved if the whole point of the Black Goo WrestleMania payoff was Alexa Bliss gradually pulling herself out of this trance and away from this predatory murder clown. Um, She's got a doll. She's got a toy doll. And the, they'll disappear the fiend long enough that his biggest fans will buy his weird green shorts and, like, put over his next feud like it means anything. Uh, Sarah Schreiber caught up with uh, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke uh, and said, you think that was all right, what you did? And they went, uh, well, I think you'll find Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler are the bullies. Jack came came in, so they legged it. Baszler says, run away. Cool. <laughs> Baszler says, Baszler says, you need to focus up or else. Jack says, or else what? But Baszler has already left. So Angel Garza pops up and says, what are you doing with that Circus Lamb Reginald? Wilborn. Nia Jax absolutely loved the attention. <laughs> I, I don't think you've made this quite clear in your recap. And this is like new information that I think we need to tell the listeners. I don't think Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax are getting along. <laughs> How long have they held those titles for? One back in December. The, the, I reckon combination about eight months over two reigns, isn't it? Let's have a look. Jesus Christ. Oh, is, this, is this pertinent? <laughs> in 88 days they've held it for. Jesus Christ. Just can't get along, but you know. Jesus. Anyway, uh, right, time for the handicap. Is they the longest reigning women's champ tag team champions? The ones I can't get along. Okay. Sorry, Wilborn, carry on. It's fine. Yeah, they are longest reigning ever tag team champions. Um, so we got the handicap match next. It was Drew McIntyre versus T-Bar and Mace. Uh, and despite the numbers advantage, uh, they got DQ'd for kicking too much ass. <laughs> After six minutes. Uh, thankfully, though, Train man's coming, bro! And he comes down to make the save. And it's uh, after a break, it's a tag team match. Uh, 
uh, the flying Scotsman and, and train boy uh, are in control. Uh, McIntyre hits Mace with an overhead suplex and a neck breaker and then just rips his mask off. And you'll never believe this, Mace is revealed to be uh, Dio Madden. McIntyre hits him in the face with a mask and then gets, gets DQ'd. Mason T-Bar get the victory uh, and Strowman rips off T-Bar's mask and hit him with it. And T-Bar, it turns out, Michael Sidgwick, you'll never guess. It's Dominic Dijakovic. Oh, only done on a Miller. Only done on a dickhead. This was this was an unmasking for the ages, Michael Hamlet. Yeah, two bland matches with two screwy finishes to fill twenty minutes, give or take, Mm -hmm. commercials and stuff for the character development of the men that wore masks when they were in a stable are no longer in a stable and thus need their masks taken off. Like, could they not have taken them off when they beat up Mustafa Ali? And uh, you know, like that's the point at which they no longer need to wear these. They didn't seem that phased that their masks were taken off, and the world could see that it was Dio Madden and idiots on commentary sold it like a lucha transgression. Yeah, which you can't buy at all. They've not been around. Like Retribution as a stable needed to be around about ten years for that to resonate. Um, not Dio Madden sat at that desk eighteen months ago. Um, or Dominic Dijakovic wrestling unmasked last year on NXT. So we're all thick. Everyone's thick, including these. Um, I don't buy them particularly as big guys because you're putting them in there against bigger guys. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of stupid as well. I get the idea that like Braun Strowman's this big baby face and he wants to help Drew for now. Title shots, blah. But like they're your new big tag team, their MVP's new secret big threat. Maybe put them against a couple of smaller guys to illustrate that point. I don't know. I covered this uh, match, my thoughts on it with the grunts chat earlier. So <laughs> Where's Big Jordan? I miss Big Jordan as well. Um, then we got Damien Priest versus The Miz. Highlight of this was Damien Priest with, uh, as he was making a bit of a comeback. Maurice jumps up on the apron and Priest says, well, we're not doing this again. And then Miz very nearly schoolboys him again and pins him. <laughs> uh, but thankfully, Priest kicked out. Hit the lights. One, two, three. Any thoughts, Sidge? Nah. It was a Damien Priest versus Miz match. I mean, I don't care. Uh, right. Then we got Sheamus. He came down. He boasted about being United States champion. Uh, he said he was going to be a fighting champion. And then Umberto Carrillo came down to answer the open challenge and just got his head kicked in, basically. The match never started. Uh, he beat him up. He chucked him around ringside. Hoyed him into the barricade. Posted him. Bro kick and Seamus pose. I love Seamus Hamlet. I could drone on about how the cruiserweights don't matter, but why? It's a tale as old as time. It's an angle, isn't it? It's actually an angle. It's something with Seamus and this belt. It goes against everything logical about booking champions because why would a champion who's fought for a title and not want to fight to keep it when it's his in job? Um, but it's marginal character development for Seamus that theoretically gets a baby face over because he's going to duck these proper challenges until somebody proper challenges him. Probably um, not. You know, maybe it'll maybe be not. Maybe They'll probably get decided um, on the, at the 11th hour to, to not do that. Yeah, they'll win it, won't they? Uh, main event time, Asuka versus... I don't know when um, Braun Strowman versus Randy Orton's going to be. It must be after this. Uh, <laughs> Asuka versus Charlotte Flair. 
in the main event, uh, Ripley entered as well and set up a chair on the ramp to watch from ringside. It's another botchy match for Charlotte Flair, I thought this. Considering that, you know, what she's done with, with Asuka in the past, I just thought it was really it was just on completely different wavelengths, it felt like. Um, I think Asuka went for something like a code breaker and it looked awful. Uh, anyway, the finish saw Charlotte put Asuka in the figure four as she's trying to bridge into the figure eight, though. Ripley just walks around. She's been walking around ringside loads. She's not one of the Harris brothers. She's invited. She's uh, Yeah, she walks around ringside in full view of the referee, yanks uh, Charlotte's arms away. Charlotte is angry. She grabs Ripley, fighting back and forth. She's trying to drag Ripley into the ring. In the midst of all this, Asuka kicks Charlotte. Oh, look, crucifix pin. One, two, three. The big story here, though, is post-match. Asuka celebrates. Rhea Ripley looks pleased with herself. And Charlotte Flair snaps. She attacks the referee. She beats him up time and time and time again, even hoys him in the ribs. And uh, as part of Raw Talk, it was announced that she has been suspended and fined $100,000, Michael Hamblett. Um, I thought that was bad. I'm desperate for Charlotte Flair to have a good match. It's been ages. Um, that's a that's not ideal. I thought the um, the Ray Ripley stuff was lazy and lame. And Ash, there's no way that you can be as disinterested as this program is making you in this triple threat match. No way. Like I, I don't know how they've managed it. Makes me think that they're going to do that kind of video package that they did for Bel Air and Banks, where they just erase the stuff that everybody hates and make it seem like this mega competitive matchup. WrestleMania backlash or whenever Charlotte's suspension is finished. Didn't mind the closing angle, actually. Didn't mind, like, Charlotte snapping on the refs, the Raw Talk follow-up. Something a little bit different for the women's division. You're booking your women like you book your men, like, which is in total contrast to the promo earlier in the night, which makes that promo all the more frustrating because this is the kind of angle that normally you'd save for a Drew McIntyre or somebody like that. It's a babyface trope around men, whereas it's obviously still a heel thing for women. Um, but, yeah, I'm kind of glad they did this with Charlotte because... Kind of, I, I wish that promo in the middle of the show hadn't happened because I honestly liked what she did last week. She's not having good matches, which is a problem, but I, yeah, this was different. This was a, a different way to book a woman, uh, much needed considering how much they've done them dirty probably the last about part of a year, really, on Raw, especially. I've got no thoughts, I'm dead inside. I would prefer it if WWE didn't exist. <laughs> and we'll leave it there, I think. Let us know your thoughts on Monday. Good to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know your thoughts on Monday Night Raw on Twitter uh, at What Culture WWE. Watch, they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at um, Sidgwick. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, including later on today, our preview of NXT. And make sure you leave us a five star review, review just like Brett Waters did this week, uh, suggesting something short, crap, and wrestling related for us to review instead of a god awful Monday Night Raw segment. Uh, yeah, leave that on our iTunes. But for now, this has been the Raw Review. My thanks to the Dadley Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.